0: Hey everybody, how's it going? Thanks for joining me this afternoon. I am Oren McIntyre. So obviously we had the Super Bowl yesterday. I know it's our job to go, oh no, sports ball. I'm too cool and too smart to care about sports ball. But it's okay guys to enjoy, (laughs) you know, some recreation every once in a while. You just don't want it to become something you obsess with. If you're watching 20 NFL games every weekend or however many there would be, I don't know that that's probably too much, but, it, but it's okay to relax and enjoy some stuff. Uh, understand that there's always going to be some bread and some circuses. Uh, the, the main thing is to not embarrass yourself with it. I want to talk a little bit about some of the things that came out of the Super Bowl. First, we had the Black National Anthem. Uh, and second, we had kind of the obsession with Taylor Swift. And more interestingly, uh, the kind, of, kind of the obsession with politicizing Taylor Swift I want to get into that. I also want to talk a little bit about the boomers. Uh, Very popular for all of us to blame the boomers for everything that's going on in the world, uh, how they destroyed America and and all of our futures. I think that's a bit much, and whether or not it's a bit much, I think more importantly, we need to talk about our responsibility. Because if we sit around the whole time blaming our parents, uh, then what are we but spiritually boomers Anyway, all right, guys, I want to dive into all of that, but before we begin, let's hear about today's sponsor. Hey, guys, let me tell you about today's sponsor, Magic Spoon. Like most of you, I have fond memories of waking up at the crack of dawn, excited to watch all the Saturday morning cartoons. Mom didn't want to wake up that early on Saturday, so that meant that we got to pour a bowl of our favorite cereal for breakfast. They taste great, but of course, they're full of sugar. So they're not that healthy, and that's why it was a treat. But now Magic Spoon has an alternative to that cereal that you love that has zero sugar but still tastes great. Magic Spoon has reinvented your favorite childhood cereals to taste great, but each serving contains zero grams of sugar, 13 to 14 grams of protein, and four to five net grams of carbs per serving. It's a keto-friendly, gluten-free, grain-free, and soy-free way to relive those moments watching your favorite cartoons. Plus, it's 140 calories a serving, so you can start that New Year's resolution with something that tastes great. Peanut butter is my favorite, but they have all kinds of fun flavors like blueberry muffin, maple waffle, and birthday cake. So head to magicspoon.com slash to grab a custom bundle of cereal and try the magic for yourself. And don't forget to add their delicious treats for on-the-go snacking. Be sure to use the promo code ORIN at checkout to save $5 off your order. And Magic Spoon is so confident in their product that it's back with 100% happiness guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, they'll refund your money, no questions asked. So start the new year off right with a delicious bowl of cereal at magicspoon.com slash ORIN and use the code ORIN to save $5 off. All right, guys. So, like I said, I want to talk to you a little bit about the problem of blaming boomers for everything under the sun. Now, don't get me wrong. It's, of course, fun to blame uh, this particular generation for a lot of the things that are happening in our society. Uh, and, And rightly so, there are some real gripes, there are some real issues, there are some real problems tied to the boomer question that I think do need to be answered. There is some accountability. That's probably the thing. That frustrates people the most, uh, from younger generations about the boomer generation is the lack of accountability, uh, the way that they hold themselves responsible for the situation that we find ourselves in. However, I do think it's very easy to overdo it. I think that it's very easy to throw everything onto the boomer generation to say all of our modern problems are involved here. It can all be traced back to these people. I hate to break it to people, but when the boomers are gone, all of your problems will not disappear. In fact, As I'm going to point out during this, I think that they're probably going to accelerate, which is not to excuse boomers from some of the mistakes they made. But again, also, this isn't like a total uh, thing for the whole generation. There are a lot of very good baby boomers out there. I myself am the child of baby boomers and my parents are excellent people. They didn't do any of the things that people tend to uh, kind of attack boomers for. They took responsibility for my family. They made a focus on sacrificing for, you know, for me and my, and uh, my sibling and whatnot. And they, they understood the importance of passing on their faith in these kind of things. This, this was always something that was first and foremost in their minds. And so I, I'm just somebody who, you know, I maybe got lucky. Maybe I'm not the, the average person when it comes to having parents who are like this in my generation, but I do think it's unfair sometimes to to kind of blast everybody uh, under this umbrella. But we do have to talk about generalizations. Uh, you know, I'm not going to be that n- not all guy. Obviously, we do have to talk about generalizations if we're going to be able to understand certain phenomena. And so I want to get into some things that define boomers, why people get angry at them, why some of that might be justified, but some of it is probably overblown. And most importantly what we can do to kind of break this cycle. Because if we focus again, I think on just the mistakes of the generations before us, it's very easy to then offload our own responsibility for what comes next. And, and that would be the biggest mistake we could possibly make. So first I wanna go ahead and outline the generational split here, because this is the big question for a lot of people. Am I Gen X and am, am I millennial and am I a Gen Z? You know, How does all of this work? For reference that the dates I'm working for uh, from here are 46 to 64 would make you a baby boomer uh, from 40 from 65 rather to 80 would make you gen X and then from 81 to 97 would make you a millennial uh, then you have gen Z uh, and a lot of people think of gen Z as the young people but that's not actually true and the phrase the young people dates me already. Uh, but but a lot of people think of Gen Z as the youngest relevant generation, but that's not true. Many Gen Z people already have kids. They're they're already out of college and this kind of thing. They're already full adults living their lives. Uh, the the up and coming generations, I, I guess, are alpha is is what they're trying to call them now. The point is, I'll be focusing mainly on the Boomer X and Millennial split, as those that's the one that people look at. Though we'll we'll look at the Zoomers a little bit too. As we focus on this, because the thing I want a lot of millennials who are more my age to remember is you're the boomer for the for the Gen Z. They see you as the boomer. If you if you talk to Gen Z or many of these of the even younger, the kind of the alpha, they are looking at you as the boomer. And so I want to to discuss why that is. It's a term that has now come to just mean everyone older than me in some sense. But there's there's a relevant point to be made, I think, attached to that. So first, the thing you need to understand about the baby boom generation is the power of demography, the power of the the size of that group. It is the baby boom, the massive uh, population increase that occurred post-World War II. And really importantly, you need to understand the way that they interact with the massification of society now, society was already scaling up, and I talk about this in many different places. The managerial elite series is probably a good place if you want to understand the idea of the massification of society uh, post multiple industrial rev- uh, uh, revolutions and the way that bureaucratic organizations had scaled up our social uh, 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 kind of uh, structure. That that's critical to understand how these generations interact because the baby boom comes basically right after the united states conquers the world a lot of people don't look at world war ii that way but it kind of is and a lot of people will say well we conquered it to defeat bad people and we clearly did defeat bad people uh, during world war ii Uh, but to be clear uh, we more or less took over the world at that point the united states took over the role of the British Empire, which had already been kind of the global hegemon prior to that because uh, England was kind of waning. The British Empire was waning in its will to govern its own empire. And also it was, it was devastated by its battle with uh, the Axis powers. And really the United States ends up taking over many of these kind of critical island bases and ports and things around the world they take we take over custody of many of these critical pieces of infrastructure that secure global trade and global trade becomes really important. I mean, global trade has been important for you know ever as long as it's existed. It's always been important to some extent, you know, the explosion of the spice trade and whatnot and, and everything that comes with the, the, the age of exploration. But really with the, the key of mass production, mass consumption and the ability to transport these goods in mass on a regular basis. This becomes really critical to the global economy, the fact that there is truly, for the first time, an integrated global economy in the way that there hadn't been. Communications also makes this critically possible uh, in ways that just did not exist prior. Yeah, you could send a ship, but if it's just carrying a letter, then that's, that's not usually often useful. The fact that we could constantly be in contact with each other through you know underwater lines and then eventually satellites and everything else. This, this becomes a really critical part of the way that the kind of the global infrastructure works. And so the fact that the greatest generation is linked to this massification of society and this American empire, all kind of emerging simultaneously is really important because in many ways, the, 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 the baby boomers always had an advantage over other generations just due to their vast size and the, the way that, transformation occurred when they were young the, the, in many ways the empire that now exists all these institutions all these social organizations the things that the government does they all exist more or less for the benefit of baby boomers and the baby boomers were the driving force between many things from that are economic and culturally relevant throughout their entire lives it, things did not shift between generations the way they usually did because the baby boomers commanded so much economic and demographic power due to their size uh, that that you never really had that transfer of power naturally. whether or not the baby boomers also made decisions that made sure that that power wouldn't be transferred, and we'll talk about how they did in a second. The key is that a lot of this stuff was built for them as the baby and you know things that existed for young baby boomers then followed them up and then the next thing and the next thing more and more stuff was created always specifically for the baby boom generation it didn't stay a kid's thing it didn't you know move to a young adult thing and it it just followed them throughout their life cycles and so the story of the united states and and its empire in many ways is the story of the baby boom generation and while they often get the you know the rap for being self-centered and and the idea that they drove everything and created everything that was America and uh, they contributed everything that exists. In ways, it's easy to understand how they feel that way because uh, the because the culture was almost always made for them. It was always following their growth. Uh, this is also true of government. This is, this is true of music. This is true of business. When the baby boomers wanted to rebel, that was the key in the '60s. And when the baby boomers wanted to settle down and get serious and have families and have material abundance and in, in the suburbs, that was the '80s. You can kind of see how in each one of these generation generational shifts and attitude in popular culture, that that baby boom demographic was driving kind of a large part of it. And so it's very easy to understand what happened because again the probably the the number one uh criticism of the boomer generation is that they had this idea that they did not need to do what previous generations had done they didn't need to pass the torch they never needed you know they could keep all the wealth for, wealth for themselves they could keep all the uh kind of opportunity for themselves and the other generations would simply get there. So it would be their turn. And again, it's easy to understand where that mentality comes from when you look at the way that things developed for the boomers. Again, opportunities followed them because they were setting the pace for the expansion of the United States empire, for the development of the culture, for the development of the economic system, development of the economic system. And so these things always followed them. Uh, College became critical when they went to college. Uh, you know, the, the the housing market, these things are always in the rhythm of the baby boomers. And so it's understandable why they would think that this opportunity always would exist because it had existed for them and they legitimately felt like they had worked hard for it. And to be fair, many of them did, right? So if you're someone who's a baby boomer and you look at your parents who are part of, you know, uh, the greatest generation or, you know, something like that, and you look at them and you say okay well they were poor because many of them were poor many of them were coming out of a depression you know obviously when the baby boomers are born by definition and so they look at their parents who many of them were were stuck in very low socioeconomic situations and they say well i worked hard and i did better than them and they did do better than them financially uh, because you know obviously a lot of these people were stuck in depression they also attained uh, education, which is its own issue, we could kind of spend an entire episode or, or a couple breaking down the way that college was integrated into this. In fact, I do that in a chapter of my book, The Total State, if you want to preorder that. Uh, but the, but you, you can understand how they could look at their journey through life and say, well, I improved, you know, I was given an opportunity. Yes, sure, because I'm an American, but everybody gets that opportunity. It's always the same. And they didn't understand that this was not always the same. That this was a very particular fruit of uh, generational investment, and also being born in the right time—a a, a time in which America was exploding an opportunity in a way that maybe had not existed before—and the fact that we mortgaged that opportunity into the future would have effects on the on the subsequent generations. That's also something that boomers often don't realize something that they're often chided for, for not understanding. They kind of thought that there would there are no systemic problems because there's always going to be uh, a certain amount of institutional advantage for us. Like Americans are always going to have this, uh, this abundance. We don't have to make a way for our children. We don't have to prepare for them. We don't have to set them up. Uh, they can all kind of pull themselves up by their bootstraps just like we did because our parents were poor and we went through this, you know, kind of ritual and, and a cycle of growth. And then we, you know, went crazy during the 60s and then we settled down and had families and, you know, that everything got better for us. And you, you'll go through that cycle, too, right? This is just the natural cycle of adolescence. There's also the, this simultaneous uh, convergence with that boomer narrative of, you know, the, the opportunity is always there for you was also the fact that there, many of the things that we now think of as kind of important to passing that stuff on, passing on that to your posterity, those opportunities was kind of chided by the wider culture because that was considered nepotism or was ingraining uh, these different uh, oper or these, these uh, disparate impacts, these different, uh, the gulf, when I'm, the word I'm searching for here is eluding me, uh, the, 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 uh, the, the different outcomes that were occurring uh, between different groups, the fact that you would go ahead and uh, pass on your advantages was seen as you passing on some kind of systemic bias for uh, your children, a group that you were a part of, rather than allowing everyone to kind of have the same level of equality. And so people were encouraged to kind of throw off this idea. Well, what if what if we just kept it all for ourselves and we, you know, we made our kids earn it because you know we had to earn it? And that's that's the key to growth uh, when actually like the key to generational wealth is the nepotism. Like nepotism is only bad in the sense where you're consistently choosing people who are very bad at what they do. Uh, in general, it's something that helps people grow. It helps give advantages to your descendants. And so that's something that we used to just call being a good parent, right? Like, like, like there, there is a level of spoiling your kid. Like there is uh, something to be said for handing too many advantages to a kid and having them expect to have everything handed to them. There there is a truth to that, to be sure. However, uh, there's also a, a difference between that and just saying, oh, well, Uh, I'm just gonna go on another vacation. I'm gonna have another cruise because I don't wanna create the disparity. That was the word I was so desperately searching for. I don't wanna wanna exacerbate the disparities between my children or my group and another group. And so therefore it's really important for me to go ahead and basically just consume everything or keep it for myself and and not pass those things down. And so you have to understand that while you might look at this as someone who didn't get the benefit of that and think, oh, it's, it's absurd. These are things that were deeply ingrained in the mindset of a lot of baby boomers. And so they, they really did have this mentality of, well, look, I went to college and you can go to college and I bought a house young and you can buy a house young. And I eventually ended my wild, crazy days and got married and everything was fine. And you can do the same thing. It, it, it'll be all that will be there for you. Not realizing how much society mortgaged the future to make sure that those things existed for them in many ways you know the 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 fact that they don't realize that you know college has exploded in price the housing has exploded in price the cost of having children has exploded in price, price. it has well outpaced uh the the rest of uh, inflation those kind of things and made those things very difficult to obtain Th- those things are often denied and then i think that's again where a lot of kind of the animus comes from so i want to talk a little bit more about uh about the transition of power because the next thing I think a lot of people have uh, as a as a criticism of the boomer generation is their unwillingness to transfer the reins of control. I think you can tell that by the fact that we have two guys who are you know, 80-ish uh, vying for the presidency right now. Uh, a lot of people bring this as a big criticism of the boomers. I wanna dive into that a little more, but before we do, let's hear from New Founding. Hey guys, I need to tell you about today's sponsor, New Founding Talent. Look, we all know that the job market is a disaster right now. Based people can't find good companies to work for, and good companies can't find anybody to get the job done. The competency crisis is very, very real. So, how do we get these two incredibly important groups together? We need organizations like New Founding. New Founding has created a network of high excellence professionals who are seeking to join grounded American businesses. These are individuals, often in elite organizations, who are ready for a team and a mission that supports their values instead of working against them. Aligned companies are already using this network to hire high-trust, exceptional individuals who can match the culture and mission of their teams. So if you're looking for better employees to build a better world, you need to go ahead and apply for access to the New Founding Talent Network at newfounding.com backslash talent. You'll get connected with candidates who will build your business. That's newfounding.com backslash talent. Check it out today. All right. So like I said, another big uh, criticism of the boomers that we see is the fact that they are unwilling to transfer power, political power in particular. I think this one is actually probably the most legitimate of the criticisms that we see here. Again, we look at guys like Donald Trump and Joe Biden. I mean, Joe Biden literally just was assessed as t- too much of an invalid. He's too mentally compromised to stand trial for the crimes he has committed, uh, which is kind of an amazing thing. The fact that either of our presidents, uh, in in you know uh, any other time, would have been considered outrageously old, uh, you know, just incapable. Of, of figuring out where they are. These these guys should be in nursing homes. Now don't get me wrong, Donald Trump is more mentally uh there than Joe Biden. It's very clear that I think while Trump might have lost a step or two from his last presidency, he's still much sharper than Biden is. He could probably do the job as as well as he did last time, whatever you may think that might be. However, it's very clear that we have uh, people who are holding on. You know, we 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 see so many of these congressmen serve their entire lives. You know, they're, they're in the Congress or the Senate for you know, 30 years and they die in office at like eight, you know, 89 or 94 or something. Uh, same with the Supreme Court justices just holding on forever. Obviously, that's a lifetime appointment, but you can step down. Th- these people are holding on to power desperately. And in some ways, that's because. Uh, that they, they just can't understand what it would be to have younger generations be involved they can't put up the spurs they can't say okay i did my time i had the influence that i had and it's time to transition over to another generation and this is where a lot of the gen x mentality is now i personally am a, a old millennial so i i am just over the line into being a millennial so in many ways i feel closer to gen x i feel much closer to someone who say was born in 1979 than someone who was born in, you know, 1996. And so, and I imagine that's true of all people who are close to the bumper of any given generation. I'm, I'm an older millennial. I'm closer to Gen X than I am uh, to, to most other millennials. However, you, you can see the way that this was reflected in most Gen Xers. They usually have... Kind of an abandonment themselves as responsibility, not because they probably wouldn't have picked up responsibility when they were younger if they could have, but it was very clear that their parents were never going to pass on the family business, that the politicians were never gonna get out of office, that you know, the guy in the C-suite was never going to pass things on to the next guy, uh, you know, to train up the protege. They simply didn't see themselves like that. They they thought of everyone below them as just churning constantly why they Stood at the wheel and, and made sure that the ship never ran aground. And that's very frustrating for a lot of Gen Xers who felt like they were robbed, and they probably right to believe this, of their natural opportunities to take power. Sorry, but you shouldn't have to wait until everyone is 85 and dying of you know random diseases of old age before you can go ahead and exercise some degree of leadership. And unfortunately, many of the boomers, because they were very interested in extending not only their power, but their material advantage as long as possible, didn't really care that a lot of these people missed their milestones. I mean, Gen X is a little better. Most of them probably got some level of family and housing, but a lot of millennials found themselves without the ability really to do so. And obviously, the Zoomers are really in this scenario where, you know, many of them don't even want a lot of that stuff now. And they think they don't want it because... You know, that it's all really bad, or you know, it, it was, it's all too much of a burden to them, or you know, oh, I'm not like that. But really, I think a lot of them don't want it only because they've, it's very clear they're never going to have it. Very clear that they're never going to have the, the, you know, the big job. They're never going to have the family. They're never going to, never going to have the house. And it's just easier to tell yourself, oh, well, it's because I chose not to have it. I'm really being free to this stuff than it is to say, oh, well, actually, I missed out of this because my family robbed me of this because my community robbed me of this because the ethos that would have encouraged this generational passing of the torch is gone. And ultimately I think that that's the biggest problem with our, that's the biggest generational divide that we have, you know, in a healthy society, there is no generational interest because you understand that you exist as part of the whole. And that you exist to pass this down to the next set of people that you're going to hand this down to. And it's not about you just accumulating the most toys or the most power, or the most money, or getting the most hedonistic experiences that you can have before you die. But instead, you understand that one of the key parts of life, in fact, the key part of life, is connecting yourself to that ch- great chain of being, to sit amongst your ancestors, as Cicero would have said, and, and to connect yourself. To that history, and that that is where purpose and meaning are found. Is to is to weave yourself into the tapestry of the history of your society. And so, living for just yourself and your aggrandizement—that's something that only comes when a when when a society has lost the idea of their posterity, the idea that they have anything to pass this to. And I'll be honest; I think a big part of this is the idea that America is just everybody that anybody can come and be an American and that America is just an idea and you can spread America everywhere. You can just spread America and democracy and freedom and Liberty. And you just need to sell people blue jeans and Coca-Cola and McDonald's. And now they're just as American as you are. And you know, that, that's all there is. You know, if if someone walks in to the United States and uh, illegally and you know, they, they raise their hand and they say, I want to be one of you guys, then, that's all there is to it and they should just be an American now and there should be no other understanding of, of what America is that breaks all continuity of civilization that breaks all ideas about what it means to pass things from one generation to another and if you're trained in an ideology as a baby boomer or a Gen X or a millennial that you're no more American and that your children are no more American than anyone else well then why would you sacrifice right why would you why would you put forward anything? in the interest of these people you really have to have a certain level of investment in the game and if you don't have that level of investment if you don't understand why you know you're you're going to be passing these things on and who you're going to pass them on to then you're just going to have these divides I, you know th- these are the generational divides are luxury beliefs in the same way that the war between men and women in our culture is a luxury belief it's things that people who are way too affluent And have expanded their culture way too widely and haven't had to have any real existential crisis in a very long time. It's things that they believe because anybody who's a close knit society, anybody who has a society that is in danger on a consistent basis doesn't need to be reminded about what it means to come together and protect each other and pass things down, pass down their values, pass down their traditions, pass down their identities, pass down their moral visions you don't need to get people together and, and remind them of that when they're constantly under threat. It's something that only becomes an issue when your society scales too far, when it becomes too wealthy, when it becomes, uh, when it, it doesn't know what it's like to struggle against an outside enemy. Um, and, and I think that's really the core of the problem. I don't think that baby boomers are themselves a problem or Gen X is a problem or millennials is a problem unto themselves I think what we have is a kind of broken understanding of generational connection and culture that, that keeps us from being able to pass these things down one to another. And so the thing I want to warn you about, the reason that the name of this stream is You're the Boomer Now, is I want to warn some of my millennial cohorts. Again, I'm an older millennial, so this may be less true for a number of you who are millennials. You may be much younger than me while still technically being part of my generation, but we are now the age that many boomers were when they started making the decisions that we hate now. Right. A lot of the decisions on how society would be structured, how entitlements would be structured, how tax systems and financial systems would be structured. Uh, you know, how we would have families, how families would be structured, how inheritance would be passed down, how culture would be transmitted. A lot of the things that we hate about uh, kind of what happened to society occurred around the time or started around the time that boomers were in our position. And so we need to be very careful because if we sit around, it's easy to sit around and just blame prior generations, right? Say, oh, well, it's because, you know, my parents didn't hand this to me. They didn't give this thing to me. They didn't uh, love me in this way, you know, but, but again, this is the classic boomer mentality in some ways right well my 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 dad from the 40s didn't hug me enough and that's why i was emotionally maladjusted as a kid in the 60s and that's why i lived my 70s acting in you know, 60s and 70s acting out and had to wait till my 80s before i actually started to uh, kind of get it together and have family and build the things that i wanted and then i didn't feel like i needed to transfer any of that because i had to build it my dad i didn't feel like he gave it to me like if we get stuck in that cycle of blaming the pr- the previous generation, then no one ever escapes, right? If we adopt that mentality of being the final generation, oh well, it's it's all gonna end with me. Uh, you know, America is me, or the you know the future was me, and the now I'm when I'm gone, then none of it matters, and so I'm just gonna get mine because the 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 generations before me betrayed me. If we adopt that mentality, then we're only going to continue this degradation. Now, obviously, that doesn't steal any of the truth out of criticisms that are leveled at many in the Boomer generation, or Gen X, or Millennials. But again, if you talk to a Gen Z kid, or you, or even you know a, a few of the old, you know, the oldest uh, alpha generation kids, they look at you the same way because. They say, you don't understand how good you have it. And that sounds insane. And this, so this is what happens when you're on the back end of kind of the, the apex of an empire. So the boomers existed when you, when the United States conquered the world and created unimaginable material wealth and created insane things like, you know, super long life expectancy and, and, um, you know, vacation homes and a million vacations and, and. And taking all the cruises and everything like all these things that did not exist before any generation, they had the most opulent wealth. And yes, they, they expected that. And much of the kind of venom that is directed towards the boomers is because they, they thought that was just the normal and they were fine to burn and kind of every piece of social fabric to make that happen. However, let's be really honest. This is painful for a lot of people, but let's be really honest for a second for the gen Xers and the millennials out there. Most of our anger towards the baby boom generation is not really that they did that, it's that we don't get to do it. Right. That that's the real problem for a lot of us is we don't get to live that life. We don't get to have the insane abundance. We don't get to live with the reckless excess and then you know pull all together and still have, you know, a great family and still be able to afford just everything we ever wanted and retire and live you know till till we're 107 with you know with a constant attendant care like a lot of the directed anger is jealousy and understandable right you watch these people who are born on second base in many cases feeling like they hit a home run uh, and you say wow i wish i would just be able to get a single you know and it, it, it's very difficult for a lot of people to watch that however that's not going to change anything it's not going to get any better. We're not going to live the same lives they did because the lives they lived were unsustainable. And that's really difficult. It's very difficult to be on the backside of an empire, an empire in some level of decline. Maybe America pulls out of it. I'm a little doubtful, but let's hope, right? I'm still, I would like to see that happen, even if my predictive you know, powers are, or are, are my rather my the my in the interest of being uh, an accurate predictor i don't think that's going to happen uh i still would like to see it happen that would still be the best possible outcome but i just don't think that's going to happen however we're probably not going to live that lifestyle right because it was just unsustainable and and kind of the boomer generation had to do a lot of rearranging and stealing from the future to make it even accessible to them at the time it happened and now we're going to pay the piper and it sucks to be the people who pay the piper That that's never where anybody wants to be but if we don't do it now if we don't figure this stuff out now then it will be just another cycle another generation of people who look at us who you know watch us live lives of what they see as excess you know they they look at us and say oh well look at you 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 had some semblance of family we don't even know what that looks like anymore oh you had some semblance of a shared culture we don't even know what that looks like anymore you had some hope of owning a home or some hope of having your own business or you know having a, a nice promotion. We don't even know what that looks like anymore. They're gonna look at us and say, Oh, you know, these these people were spoiled rotten, and they didn't even know it. And all they did was blame it on their on their parents. So we need to avoid being the boomers. And the way to do that is to build. We have to invest in our families, we have to invest in our churches, we have to invest in our communities. And there's going to be a lot of people to say there's nothing to save. It's all gone. It's all, you know, it's all done. It's a waste of time. You know, you can't do it. Throw those people behind you, you know, ignore them because they'll never solve anything. Okay. If your plan is to go out and get yours and live your life only for your benefit and not care about others because that's what your parents did or you think that's the only game in town and there's no reason investing with those people, Fine. I mean, there's nothing I'm going to do to to talk you out of that if that's really truly your mindset. But I think for most people, that's not actually what they want. They were just told that was the only option available. And so if we're going to change things, we have to look because we're in that position now. You're the boomer now and you've got to make the decision. Am I going to make the same mistakes that were made by this generation am i going to sit around blaming them for everything that goes wrong even if it's legitimate even if the points are true even if it would sure be nice if there was a certain level of ownership and admission that things aren't the way that they see it that maybe the idea that that everybody is just going to be able to pull themselves up from their bootstraps just like they did because they you know they didn't have any special opportunity but we're just really hard workers yeah, it would be nice if there was an admission of the truth of that. I understand that. I understand that frustration. But if we sit here and we blame them for uh, forever on that, then we're the problem. Because at some point, we have to be the generation that takes ownership, that, that takes investment, and creates the future for people to benefit from. There was a lot of borrowing against our futures. And that's super frustrating. But if we don't make investments into the futures of the next generation, it'll be done. The, the, you know the, the quote from G.K. Chesterton was, you know, uh, Rome wasn't uh, people, men didn't love Rome because it was great. Uh, Rome was great because men loved her. And the question is, are we going to be the people who love our communities, our country, our families, our churches, our traditions enough to make them great? There is a way to make them great again, but the, making them great again, are out, a lot, or rather, demands that we take ownership. And that while there are real and true grievances with previous generations, all we can do at this point is learn from them because those mistakes are already made, and they won't be here. <laughs> let's let's be honest. Yo, know, the, the baby boomers will be gone in not not too distant future, and we will have to lead. We will have to pick up that mantle. Gen X has been waiting a long time. Will they pick it up? Will it fall to millennials instead? Answer is probably both. But we have to be ready. And that means making those investments now. Because if we sit in the positions that the boomers sat in and we make the same choices that they did, we'll get exactly the same outcome. And then we really have no place to complain. All right, guys, I want to get into a little bit of the cultural stuff with the Super Bowl and everything. But before I do, let's hear about Ridge Runner. Hey guys, I need to tell you about today's sponsor Ridge runner clown world is getting more and more crazy and you're looking for a saner way of life and Ridge runner land in Appalachia is ready for you. There's no better time than today to move your family out of a blue state or city where crime cost of living and hostility towards morals belief in God and America is growing more and more unhinged each day. Ridge runner picks pristine land in rural Appalachia with top notch beauty value and location. Move to a Ridge Runner community and be surrounded by patriotic, ambitious Americans that have chosen to live in a setting where their children can run free, doors don't need to be locked, and natural beauty is abundant. If you have that pioneering spirit and you're ready to join Appalachia's rising future as you build yours, schedule a call today to learn more about Ridge Runner properties. Whether you work from home, hunt, fish, homestead, are looking to run livestock, or just to be in a community where your way of life is prized, Home Runner is ready to help you find the ideal property. With small acre lots starting at 35000 all the way up to large 100-acre holler farms well-priced at under $400,000, Ridge Runner has options for anyone seeking a life piloted on the old ways in the bosom of America's traditional heartland. Visit www.RidgerunnerUSA.com today. That's RidgerunnerUSA.com. All right, guys. So I wanted to touch on the Super Bowl real quick. Nothing too big here. I find it a little exhausting to go into these things too long. But I think there are two things worth talking about very quickly. Uh, First, uh, just this is a just a general statement. I know it's really popular to scream about sports ball and, uh, you know, people. I'm too good. I don't care. It doesn't matter to me. That's fine. You don't have to like this stuff if you genuinely don't like it. Uh, I get that I came from a sports household and I did play some sports though. Not that much. I really got more into uh, things like jujitsu and judo uh, later on, but, but I didn't play a lot of team sports, but I played some, I always followed them though. Cause it was something my dad was very into. And, you know, I just want to say real quick, it's it's okay that there's always going to be something like this. There, there, again, it's better that you spend your time working on your family. It's better that you spend your time on your community if you're spending all of your time watching NFL games, that's a problem. Uh, if you spend a, a large amount of your time playing fantasy football and, and obsessing about this stuff, all you listen to is sports radio. All you do is follow this stuff. Okay, yeah, that is a real issue, and that, that it's worthy to tell people that, that that should not be how they spend their time. However, there's always some level of this. There's always a Colosseum, you know, in Rome. There's always the Hippodrome uh, for the Byzantines and, and, the, and the chariot races there's always going to be some kind of collective uh, thing that happens once you get to a certain level of civilization. Uh, Again, maybe that's, maybe that's just decadence. You could say that it's always engaging in the decadence of the empire. Fair enough, I guess. But I, I just say, I'm just going to say, there's a value to, if you don't want to watch it, don't, but there, there is a, there is an exhaustive element where it's just like constantly counter signaling this, it's just kind of it's again it doesn't help you it, it just kind of gives people an aversion to the cultural message that you're trying to talk about so two things during the super bowl uh first it was it was an entertaining super bowl is actually a really good game if you like football uh, i haven't watched football actually in quite a few years i just had a lot else going on i used to watch you know uh, tampa bay buccaneers that was my team uh, i used to watch most of their games throughout the season i didn't really watch any other games uh this year i kind of finally got back and watched a, a handful of games. Uh, throughout the the season, but I usually watch the Super Bowl at the end, either way, just again, because it's kind of a wide-scale cultural event, either way. And uh this year they played the Black National Anthem. A lot of people yelling about the Black National Anthem. Uh, rightly so. This is stupid. Uh, this shouldn't exist. Obviously, if you're a nation with two anthems, then you're not a nation. You're the whole point of the anthem is to unite your people. If you've carved out a a special and specific national anthem for another group of people, then it's very clear you're not a unified people anymore. The question, of course, is is this more of a Latinx thing? I mean, if you talk to any actual uh, Hispanic people, they don't like Latinx. Pretty much no one without a master's degree in some kind of gender studies cares about the label Latinx, but they keep trying to foist this on people. Is that the same thing with Black National Anthem? Do most Black people not like the Black National Anthem? Would they decry it for the most part? Or is this different? Is this something that people generally see uh, that that will um, they, they think will ameliorate some kind of issue? It's making up for some kind of exclusion in a sport that is at this point vastly dominated by, by Black athletes. It seems like a very strange idea. Uh, the point is, of course, that this only exists to create the separation and it's only going to continue to exist because that's who the NFL is catering to. The NFL is completely woke. Uh, Again, I understand if you just don't want to support that, that was a large reason I stopped watching football in the first place. I was just tired of watching people kneel during my national anthem. I don't want to see people involved in that. Um, And it's still something that makes me not want to get super invested. I'll still watch, like I said, games from time to time. I'll watch the Bowl but it is something that rubs me the wrong way. And when you lead off with something like that, you're just going to keep driving people like me away. Maybe the good thing is that that ends up driving everyone away. Right. And this just becomes less significant. That would be nice. Uh, you know, if that, if that really is what, ha- what happens uh, and people focus on something of more substance, but I kind of doubt it uh, either way that that's not going away. I think anytime soon, the second thing that a lot of people were talking about was Taylor Swift obviously Taylor Swift is dating uh one of the biggest players uh on the uh on the uh, Kansas City Chiefs also kind of fun that the Chiefs keep winning uh and the only reason they still have their name is that the owner told the NFL to go pound sand when they tried to threaten him to change it because they were oh it's racist or whatever and he just didn't so that's kind of funner uh kind of fun but uh, Taylor Swift is dating Travis Kelsey and be honest at this point I'm probably just gonna mute <laughs> Taylor Swift off of my Twitter timeline entirely because I just don't care. I'm so tired of hearing about this. Uh, she she makes some good pop music. She's very popular for a reason, uh, but I don't care about her uh, in any kind of other sense. I you know don't, don't really want to know anything about her personal life or what is going on, but you can't avoid it at this point. It's everywhere. And one of the things that's really happened, and this is probably primarily a Twitter phenomenon. I know that I'm talking about something that is very online at the moment, so bear with me for a second. But there was this desperate attempt to kind of politicize Taylor Swift. And a lot of people on the left say it's the right. A lot of people on the right say it's the left. Uh, I think it's very clear that the left is trying to do that. I mean, Taylor Swift has political opinions. She's expressed some of them. But she has the same level of political opinion that pretty much every famous person does, right? Which is just like, okay, who cares? Just move on. Uh, So she's politicized herself at some level. I'm not saying that she hasn't. But that doesn't mean you have to focus on it. And I want conservatives to understand this is a losing issue for them. Like looking at two good-looking and famous people and saying, uh, "We, you know, we're against this." Uh, it, that's not helping you out. Uh, n- not that that doesn't mean you can't criticize people like this. But the the attempt to kind of culturally identify this as left-wing isn't helping you out here. Uh, the the left is obviously looking to use Taylor Swift as some kind of political wedge, and the right is correct to identify this. But really what we have is a phenomenon of the total state. The total state, the whole point of the total state is that everything com- becomes political. Every aspect of life becomes political. You know, we've told the 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 story about uh, the, the German cat with Curtis Yarvin's story of the German cat, right? Where you're reading the cat magazine in, in the 1930s and at first it's just about normal cats and then all of a sudden it's about the German cat and then all of a sudden every article is only about superiority of character of the german cat and that kind of thing and and this is this is how you know you're in a total state when every single aspect of life has to be about the political and the truth is we shouldn't be in a system where anyone cares about taylor swift's political opinion or what what some football player thinks about black lives matter or anything but the fact is that every single person feels compelled constantly to share their opinion You really shouldn't be surprised when popular famous people have popular uh, political opinions, acceptable political opinions. It's exactly what you should expect, in fact. And you can get angry at those people and you can criticize those people and you'll be right to do so because they're stupid. But that doesn't really help you with the problem. The problem isn't that famous people have safe political opinions. Like, of course they do. And if you think they didn't, you just need to look at where power is pointing. All the people who you think were rebellious in the 60s or 70s or whatever with their outrageous political opinions, they were always and only ever pointing to the emergent powers inside the U.S. They were—they felt safe with those opinions because those opinions were already confirming what would become the new consensus in the United States. It's not that the famous people used to have radical opinions and now they're all group thinkers. They were always all group thinkers and they were just the tip of the spear of subversion back then. And now they're the people slamming the door at the end of the transformation process. That's the only thing that's happened is the position of the celebrities and the role they play in the process, not the process themselves, itself. Okay. And so, yeah, you're sorry, but you're you know, pop singers and your football stars, they were never independent thinkers and they were never really voicing their own deep thoughts on the on the events of the day and screaming about them. You know, that's fine. Shut up and sing. Right. But what has that done for us really at the end of the day? How has that actually changed anything? If anything, these people are already grading enough themselves. The more that celebrities go on and on about this garbage, the less cool they become, the less interesting they become, the more they become. Uh, you know, the the after school special 1980s version of celebrity rather than anything that actually wants to set trends. And so I guess what I'm saying is you can be angry at Taylor Swift if you want, or you can talk about, you know, the politicization of either side if you want, and that's fine. But what I want to say is really that this is just a function of the total state. The truth is that as long as democracy is the driving force of political legitimization inside the United States, this will be what th- this is, what's going to happen, because let's be honest, people care more about what Taylor Swift thinks about politics than the fact that Joe Biden is too senile to actually run the country. If Taylor Swift tells them to care about Joe Biden and vote for Joe Biden. They won't care whether he is brain dead. They'll just do it because she said so. Right. Right. And you could say that's well, a problem with Taylor Swift, and yeah, at some individual level, it is. But what it really is is a problem with our own, whole system. It's an indictment of our whole system. And you're not going to get individual starlets or pop singers or football players to change a fact that they're just going to acquiesce to power. That's just not going to happen. So what you really want to change is the system, or what's cool, right? If we if we if we're going to need you know pop popularity. You need, to, you need to change. You need to shift the idea of what is actually avant-garde. And that happens when these people do what they're doing now, which is really pushing this ugly and brittle version of cultural manipulation and homogenization on the entire population. That will eventually happen. They'll eventually break. It won't be pretty on the way there, but it will eventually happen and people will look for ascendant ideas. I think that's why there are a number of voices that are are trending up that, that have alternative ideas. And I think that you'll continue to see that, but it's only going to be on the outside edges for a long time. And that should be expected because that's kind of how Vanguard movements work. In the meantime, just try not to have your head explode over the fact that a random pop star or a random football player has pretty safe opinions on politics. It's pretty much exactly what you should expect. All right, guys, let's go ahead and transition over to the questions of the people here. We got quite a bit of them today. Uh, Michael Robertson says "Uh, victory will be achieved when the gamer national anthem echoes throughout the Super Bowl and across this great nation. Uh, Yeah, what would that be like the the Halo, uh, you know, chant? Yeah, as soon as once, or maybe Creed. Maybe I'm pushing. I think we need to meme Creed back, guys. I think that we need to return. I think many of us can agree that they had the greatest Super Bowl performance of all time. Uh, Perhaps once Creed once again plays uh, the, the Super Bowl halftime show or the national anthem, we will once again be a truly great nation. That, that's a vision I can see of the future. Cooper Reader says, but Orin, I'm not a boomer. I've taken the red pill. I'm one of the kids who read. I can blame them forever for my problems. My life is way harder. Yeah. Good reference, by the way, to Dave, the Distributist's Dave, the Distributist's uh, latest stream on the kid, the kid that who read, uh, very good. Uh, Stream by him explaining kind of the idea of this countercultural movement. Uh, it is important, as you point out, Cooper Weirdo, to at some point uh, take ownership over uh, kind of who we are and where we're going. Um, and that doesn't mean we're wrong to criticize the system. It doesn't mean we should stop criticizing the system and trying to get people to hold themselves accountable. But you know, you can sit there until you're red in the face and change nothing. So probably best to also think about how you can make the world a better place or more importantly forget the world your community uh, something far more local and far more important and far more likely for you to change trevor 50 daniel says you think you hate the boomers enough but you don't it's a mindset that encompasses the generations of current world for your own game uh gen x millennial whatever you're a boomer if you don't care fair enough again if you want to exchange if you want to expand that definition to really just be a mindset you can do that, and you'll be right that that exists uh, on many levels. I would say, honestly, that just means that pretty much everyone is a boomer. Like, everyone is a spiritual boomer. Almost no one cares. Like, if you look at Gen X and you look at millennials, almost none of them care. And again, some of them have every reason not to. Every you know They have every reason to be spurned. They have every reason to feel like they were cheated. They have every reason to say to themselves, well, I, I didn't get mine, and I'm never going to get mine, and I, everything that I had was mortgaged and stolen. Uh, And so I just can't get there. And so I might as well just get my own and okay, you can take that. There's nothing that's going to stop you. It's very popular mentality and it will continue to be. However, if you don't make that shift, then your kids will have, or if you even have kids, you know, they'll have the same uh, mindset. The generational mindset will continue and nothing will get better. And that's really the point I was trying to make is just at some point we have to be the generation that takes ownership and makes the change because if we don't do it, it just doesn't happen. Uh, Perspicacious heretic says, "Does the Greatest Generation have any blame in this? It seems like a lot of moral decay from their Boomer children was just allowed unabated." And yes, of course, right? Like that's a good point and one that many people have made is, uh, you know, this generation didn't come from nowhere. Uh, just as many people pointed out, the Gen X or the Millennials didn't come from nowhere. So if you're problem with those, you should probably look to previous generations. And of course, you're right that the Greatest Generation does have a certain uh, level of ownership that they have to take over the route that their children uh kind of traced and again i think a lot of that comes from not knowing how to deal with the massification and affluence of society post baby boom they just didn't know what to restrict we didn't know what a lot of this stuff would do to people we didn't know uh how much of a civilizational asset it would be and you can you know we and yeah so we can just blame it all on ignorance and maybe they maybe they're not uh liable because of the kind of the the ignorance that they had however Uh, they certainly have to have some level of blame, right? Because those kids did not arrive at this understanding without it. Uh, And maybe they should have instilled more thoroughly into their own children that there's a generational duty uh, to each other uh, that had to be passed down. And if you don't do it, uh, serious portions of your society will start coming apart. Cooper Weirdo again. Thank you very much, sir. Okay. Honest question. Do millennials even want power? It's so much easier to blame the boomers and make no effort. Zoomers, can do great things but they're too depressed irony is always is always way easier yeah i agree with you that that is a real issue right there's um something that blows people away repeatedly but isn't too shocking to me mainly because i was a teacher so i had to regularly interface that that's kind of one advantage i've had is I've, I've i've had to regularly interface with multiple generations of people when they're younger and older i i taught when I first came out of college, I was teaching up until just a few years ago. I took some breaks in between to do journalism and politics and things, but I have taught multiple generations of students, and so I've seen this effect over the years. And it really is true. A lot of people get surprised that the fact that uh, that, uh, for instance, Zoomers or Gen Alpha kids were not interested in getting their driver's license, and that kind of blows people's minds because they're like, "Of course I want independence. Of course I, of course I want control. That was the thing I wanted the most when I was a kid." And it didn't really exist with younger millennials, and then, or sorry, uh, younger uh, uh, Zoomers, and uh, kind of the current generation coming up. And it blows a lot of people's mind away. But uh, but I think that there there is a real truth that people who there's a learned helplessness, right? When you don't think that you're going to have a future, when you when you look at the future and say, "Okay, I can't get the race, I can't get the job, I can't get the girl, I can't get the house." I can't get the family. When you look at that, then at some point you just say, okay, well, I don't want to be any part of the system. And again, like, it's just easier to dive into the hedonism. It's easier to to heap on the irony. There's a very real reason that you can sell people this kind of Netflix, uh, you know, Grubhub, uh, you know, uh, uh, virtual reality type uh, existence, because the real world they've always looked at just never had an opportunity for them. And the answer is going to be really uh, most millennials won't want power and most zoomers won't either, but the ones who will take action, the ones who do take action and accountability will be the ones that lead. Because again, the boomers won't be here forever, guys. They just won't. And in many Gen Xers felt like they were already passed over and their time has already come and gone. And so, you know, there will be a real moment of transition uh, and the people who are willing to to kind of step up uh, will be the ones who shape the future. Uh, creeper weirdo here. I read that in a green text. Okay. Thank you. Uh, tiny Rick says the number one thing millennials can do is reestablish IRL organization and zoomers who want to be a part of it. If nothing else, we have each other. That's exactly right. That's exactly the mentality that you should have. One thing you need to remember guys is that the institutions around you are failing. Sorry. I know that's a black pill, but there's a white pill wrapped inside that black pill. The institutions inside you are failing. As much as you might feel, oh, the boomers, oh, the boomers, once the boomers and, you know, and some of the older Gen X people phase out of what is left of the workplace and and other social organizations, we're in serious trouble. What's left of social fabric, those those churches that are still standing, those civic organizations that are still standing, those kind of uh, cultural institutions that are still standing, the families, the intergenerational families are held together by the boomers. They're the only ones left that care, not because maybe they did their best to cultivate it when they were young, but they're the only ones that remember what it was like to even have that stuff. They're the ones who are, you know, retired and putting their time in. They're the ones volunteering at the Rotary Club and the Kiwanis. They're the ones who are making your church's food pantry run and that kind of stuff. They're the ones who still remember how to repair all those critical systems that we need. And they're going to be gone at some point. Okay. And so that means that we're going to need people to take up that slack, which means you can be these people. You can reestablish those IRL connections. Think of all the fraternal orders that are dying right now. Think of the moose lodges that are dying right now. Think of all of the Rotary Clubs, all of the Kiwanises, all the places that used to be the pillars of the community that held things up. Think of all of those things that are going to go away when the boomers are gone. Okay. You can step into those roles now. They're desperate. They're looking for young people to pick up those clubs and run with them. You can be those people. You can do this. You can take the action. But I think Tiny Rick's exactly right that you have to reinvest in this. Uh, Matt Grenier says, did you see uh, uh, Bukele's victory speech last week? Uh, I showed it to my whole family now, and they love the president of El Salvador. You see him as a white pill or mostly irrelevant us in the U S yeah, that is for those who didn't know it is a very powerful speech. He was reelected by like a massive landslide, understandably. So he has transformed El Salvador from the most dangerous country in the world to one of the safest in the Western hemisphere. Uh, El Salvador is frankly safer than large parts of America. And, uh, I, I, I so here's the thing. I'm always careful about praising foreign leaders who I don't know well enough. I've learned about Bukele, uh, uh, John slaughter, I believe, uh, was the guy who actually just did a great piece on his Substack. uh, to, so shout out to him. If you want to look at some of, uh, Bukele, I think also, uh, uh, over at, uh, maybe it was, I am 1776, Ben Braddock also, uh, did a piece on him recently. So you can learn some more about him, but as somebody who, who is only know, I only know what's in those pieces. I really don't know enough. I try not to give unqualified uh, support to people because, you know, who knows, they turn on something, something terrible happens. Now you've, you've been cheering on some, some crazy thing. But as far as I can tell, it looks like this is a guy who has transformed El Salvador done so for the better. I think it is a white pill because it shows people that the the decline we're in is a choice. If El Salvador can clean up its streets, America can do the same if it has the political will, but it needs to have the political will. If you look at Bukele, the speech he gave specifically was people told us that our population had to die. Our people had to die, had to be murdered by these massive narcotics gangs for human rights. That was the argument. We can't can't lock up the gangs because of human rights. And he said, whatever, go pound sand. I'm going to value my people first. I don't care about your international community. I don't care about your reputation. I don't care about your human rights ratings. I'm going to save the lives of my people. And he did. And now it's a better place to live. And that's a white pill. Now, the the bad part is that most of that pressure comes from America and its satellites and that we're the main reason that people don't make the choice to do this. And so it makes it hard to do it in the United States. However, the more I I think, again, the more we see from red state governors driving this kind of stuff, the better. I don't think we're going to see a nationwide transformation anytime soon. I mean, let's hope, man. Let's hope that Donald Trump just comes in and he really does come in. Day one dictator changes everything, you know, fixes everything, that would be great, right? That that that, that one day uh, where he comes in and fixes everything like he you know he said he would, that would be great, right? But I'm I'm kind of I'm kind of doubtful, right? Instead, I think what you're probably going to get is a lot more hamstring of the agenda from a lot more of this bureaucracy. Hopefully they've learned some less lessons. The you know 2025 team has some ideas about how to clean out the bureaucracy, but it's probably going to take them a lot longer than it did Bukele. That said, I really do hope that that is a wide scale change for the United States, but I think it's more likely to be something that occurs on the individual state level where you're more likely to win those victories. Again, I think guys like Ron DeSantis and Greg Abbott are great examples, but they themselves need to go further. And other governors then need to follow the example. I'm excited that Ron DeSantis is back doing what he does best, which is being an incredible governor of the state. I live in Florida. I hope he triples down on what he was doing before when it comes to bettering the state, and I hope that he drives other people to do exactly that. Uh, Creeper Weirder said, I hear that they put the woke away at the game. Is that true? Yes. Um, Again, I I think that I am going to ultimately win uh, my bet against academic Agent. I don't think the woke is being put away. I think the Black National Anthem is just one of many examples why this is here to stay and will continue to be forced on people on a regular basis. Um, I don't know. I I don't watch a lot of uh, network TV. Um, However, the fact that, uh, or really, you know, in in general, however, uh, a little bit of watching the football has reconnected me to how bad, uh, this trash is, and how much is being pumped into people? I'm not saying that because I'm saying, oh, it's great to watch trash. I'm just saying there was some value. I was kind of isolated. I had forgotten how how bad this had become, and now I'm like, oh wow, no, this is just a constant fire hose of propaganda. I don't think it's going anywhere, guys. Uh, uh, Sean Cosgrove says, last February I went to a University of Minnesota hockey game. The Black National Anthem was played. Out of AK fans in the arena before the game, couldn't find a black person outside of the student section. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of exactly what you would bet uh, expect at a hockey game, but that doesn't matter. Uh, the, the key is the division. The key is inserting this, breaking down every ritual that used to bind people together. Uh, whether it's relevant or not, whether anyone in the crowd would actually be the people who care, um, that, that doesn't really matter. Uh, again, maybe most of this is being pushed by radical leftists, uh, you know, whites in many places. That's probably the case. Uh, and, and, and it certainly is in a hockey game. Uh, so I, I think you're probably going to, unfortunately, expect to see that. Uh, continue even in places where there's no one who would even uh narratively at least expect or appreciate the playing of that particular national anthem uh creeper reader says don't look at me i used to watch wrestlemania uh yeah i was uh, i was into wrestling when i was a kid it's always a little weird for me when when adults are into it but at the same time you know i i, I, I like some things uh that maybe you know, i should have grown out of too uh all of us probably have some level hang up with that but uh you know, the, the wrestling memes are fun. I have had fun doing the wrestling memes with academic agent that has, that has been entertaining if nothing else. Uh, house of Osborne says democracy is the, Ath- uh, Athens, Greece battle of Argosy-. sorry. I probably should be able to pronounce that, but I cannot at the moment. Thank you, sir. Uh, thuggo says, uh, we've taken so many legislative L's at a federal level over the last 60 years. Is there any overcoming this uh, again? I think it's possible, but I think it probably does start. Uh, at the state level, it it really is uh, a federal a federal government that fears that it's losing legitimacy among the states because the states are being run better. Might turn things around. Might might make changes. Might might look for better legislative remedies. However, uh, I think that that's that's probably a road that is as long uh, in the building and starts at the state level. You have you have to make the federal government feel like they actually have to do something of value. At the moment, uh, both parties are desperately fighting over what nation's borders they have to protect first. Uh, For the left, it's uh, Ukraine and and the Palestinians. For the Republicans, it's Israel. But for neither party, is it America? Uh, And until uh, you have uh, politicians who feel compelled to protect, say, I don't know, the borders of their own nation before uh, stealing money from the american people and sending it to nations that should never receive it uh until you have that kind of shift then i don't think you're probably going to get a lot of w's at the federal level and the fact that both parties uh, are more than willing to do this and it's really just a question of what foreign country not if uh really really is a huge issue and i don't think we're going to see a lot of change until we see that change all right, guys, I'm going to go ahead and wrap this up, but I want to say thank you to everybody for stopping by. Lots of questions from the people today. Always really appreciate that. If this is your first time here, make sure that you go ahead and subscribe to the YouTube channel. Go ahead and click on the notifications so that you can see when these streams go live. I've definitely noticed a lot, of, a lot more people able to make it for the live streams, probably because more people are turning on those notifications and actually seeing when these things happen. Also, of course, if you'd like to go ahead and listen to these broadcasts as podcasts, you can go ahead and subscribe to Orr McIntyre Show on your favorite podcast platform. When you do, a rating or review really helps out with the algorithm. I'm going to have Johan Kurtz on here soon, guys. His new article is over on my Substack. You should definitely go check it out. It's a great piece. I hope to have him talking about it later in this week. But it was great to see you. And as always, I will talk to you next time.